Well, it's official here on Turning Points as we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt, and you can find me on Twitter at Rongholt Sports. That's R-O-N-G-H-O-L-T Sports. Interesting thing happened finally. Even though Philip Rivers has been in Florida for about a month at least, uh, relocated his family to Florida, the Chargers and Philip Rivers have finally parted ways. There was a great piece in BucksReport.com by Alex Fleming who talked about how Tom Brady wasn't going to Tampa. So I'm excited to see when uh, his next article about Philip Rivers is not going to Tampa Bay. He's Alex Fleming at BucksReport.com. He does the magic magic exchange with uh, Eric Wilson on the sports arena, and he joins us now on the line. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, why are the Bucks being talked about as a place of destination for Philip Rivers? Because there's a lot of transient fans in Tampa who are sick and tired of Jameis Winston. <laughs> Other than that, I can't fathom why they would trade in their 26-year-old quarterback, who's a franchise leader in almost every statistic, even the bad ones over a 38-year-old washed-up quarterback with more kids than football players on the field. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what are they looking to do with Jameis Winston? He has an option coming up, correct? He does have an option coming up. He is going to be a free agent. If they do not sign him, they're probably going to give him the franchise tag, which he did not want, but it's not up to him, and then see if he can progress. If he doesn't progress, I do see them after next year parting ways they offered him a transition tag to see if anybody else wants his services and then they can match it i expect oakland to use that transition tag and tampa to match it why did Jameis winston you know have such great numbers but also had so many flaws under bruce arians Jameis winston is a product of the gunslinger mentality he is willing to take shots because you need to have some guts to win in the NFL. Now, everybody's going to focus on the 30 for 30, 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, and I agree. 30 interceptions are too much. That's not where the argument lies. But if you look at the schedule and how things played out, if they had a field goal kicker who could make kicks, they finished 10 and 6. If he doesn't throw that last pick 6 to San Francisco, that's a W because they were driving all day against the NFC champions. There are a lot of little things that you can nitpick on. And if you look at the tape, Fantasy and Flavors has some of that tape, by the way. If you look at the tape, he's only responsible for 19 of the 30 interceptions. That still would be number two in the league. So it's still an issue. But Jameis's play is amazing. He's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He can throw you into a game. He can throw you out of a game. What should the Bucks do in the NFL draft? Offensive line. I've been preaching this for a couple of years now, and now it's starting to get disgusting because you can see that some of the sacks were because he was hurried, rushed, hit, or he panicked. Uh, offensive line would solidify the run game, which would take more pressure off of Jameis Winston. So instead of talking about him throwing 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns, we could talk about him throwing about 5,600 yards with 38 touchdowns and half the interceptions. He's Alex Fleming of BucksReport.com and also co-host of the Magic Exchange on the Sports Arena site with Eric Wilson. Joining us here on the Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt. Uh, what were your thoughts on the XFL this weekend? Eh, meh. <laughs> it, 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 it's like you, you lose a girlfriend and you go out to the bar <laughs> and, and you run into a thought. And it's like, you know, the thought should do. 
you know, it's not your girlfriend. She doesn't know you. You know, she doesn't know your tendencies, but it's there. So why not? That's my thoughts of the XFL. It kind of watered down a, a touch exciting. I didn't see any good highlights other than P.J. Walker of the Houston Roughnecks. 286 yards Man. and four touchdowns. Other than that, uh, the, uh, I'm okay. I don't need it that bad. Yeah, that kid was a lot of fun to watch, P.J. Walker. And then Cardell Jones uh, looked like he was back at Ohio State uh, winning that national championship. So it was pretty crazy watching Cardell Jones just sling it down. Uh, but I thought it was a fun you know, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon escape for a little while, and then you just uh, move on from there. Uh, did you see at all the Vipers little quarterback situation with Aaron Murray? Oh, you mean the the three to twenty three loss to the New York Guardians? Aaron Murray looked like oh. he's stuck in a platoon somewhere without any guns. Yeah, he was hesitant in the pocket. Sometimes he was wide open in the pocket, and he just stood there because he thought no one was open. Aaron Murray is the leading thrower in the SEC with thirteen thousand six hundred sixty one yards total, and he just looked awful. That is not the way you want to open it. An opening game in the Tampa Bay Vipers, whose logo does look kind of suspect. I'm not going to say what it is because I'm on your show. But um, Brandon Flowers needs a chance. Brandon Flowers needs to be the starter of that team. I, it's baffling to me how Aaron Murray can beat out Brandon Flowers, seeing that Brandon Flowers got the ball up and down the field. Well, I was telling Eric uh, earlier this weekend that, you know, Mark Trestman is the coach, and I don't really have much trust in him. I don't care how many times they say that he had 34 years of experience in the NFL, but that's a story for another time. Let's jump to basketball here for a minute, Alex. The Magic have lost eight of their last ten. What are what needs work in the second half of the season? Well, Eric Wilson and I have a show called The Magic Perspective. Perspective. And, uh, really. We bring analysis and data and up-to-date stats about how the Orlando Magic can do and their opponents. Uh, we now have won three of our last 11 because we had a nice victory last night against the Atlanta Hawks, 135-126. Um, ironically, the Orlando Magic are in the exact same spot that they were last year before they rattled off 20 wins to nine losses. So ironically, um, Orlando's doing something that we're familiar with. No, I'm not happy with the fact that we dropped the game against the New York Knicks or that we play down to the level of our competition. But Coach Clifford is working on something. I believe when he has all the pieces in place, we're going to see his symphony come to full remission. But now, no Jonathan Isaac. DJ Augustine will be back soon, but he's still gone. And Alfred Aminu is gone for the season. So right now, it's a team without any true star power that's just fighting in the East. Why was James Ennis brought in at the trade deadline? Length, energy. James Ennis was one of the key components to the win last night because while the rest of the Magic team, I don't want to say is used to losing because they're never used to losing, um, they lacked a spark. James Ennis provided that spark. And he was quite versatile against the Atlanta Hawks last night. He's Alex Fleming of BucksReport.com and the Magic Perspective on the sports arena, even though I got it written down right on my notebook. I don't know why I thought the exchange there. My apologies, Alex. He's joining us here on Turning Points, where we go both sides of the story. The Magic are a conundrum to me. I mean, they have Nikolai Vucevic. They have Aaron Gordon. Markel Fultz is having his best year since ever, probably since college basketball. What are the flaws to this team? 
besides the lack of a superstar, this team has problems getting their own shots. Um, a superstar is going to get you superstar calls, which means more trips to the foul line, which is going to change the way that the defense attacks you. Nikola Vucevic was an all-star last year. This year, he's still doing his thing, but his numbers are just a touch down. Terrence Ross is their only real output off of the bench because DJ Augustine has been hurt, so the Magic lack bench death. Uh, between Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon, there's not a lot of particular scoring and defense. You get one, you never hardly ever get both, um, although they both feel that they're respected superstars, uh, Aaron Gordon more than Evan Fournier. Um, sometimes they're just in bad matchups. I remember James Harden torching Evan Fournier, and I remember what Giannis did to Aaron Gordon uh, Saturday night. So it's all about matchups when it comes to the Magic. And plus, it's what the team wants to see on the court, because sometimes you don't want to take a chance on a player that might be a little bit of a prima donna or drama queen, and you don't want to sign someone like Montreal's Harrell because their hair might be an issue or their mentality in the locker room might be an issue. They don't have any Rough Riders. What was the impact on Jonathan Isaac's injury? Oh, huge. Dramatic. Because it changes the way that they implement their offense, and it shuts them down somewhat when it comes to implementing the proper defense. Jonathan Isaac was a defensive stopper, and their consistent score on the opposite end once the defense settles in. They didn't get beat in transition that much when Jonathan Isaac was playing. Without Jonathan Isaac, teams are averaging about 12 points in transition offense. Jonathan Isaac would take the best player that was on the opposing team, and he would give it his all and minimize their numbers. Now with no Jonathan Isaac, there's no defensive stopper on the team. Of course, the entire team plays defense. That's a must. But when you have a defensive stopper, you can play offense with everyone else and keep it rolling along. Also, they're missing depth. No Jonathan Isaac, no Alfred Camino, no DJ Augustine. That's hurting the way that Clifford can set his lineups to attack some of these teams. And alive. Well, he's Alex Fleming at BucksReport.com and the Magic Perspective on the Sports Arena. Joining us here on the Turning Points Podcast. Uh, did you watch the Oscars on Sunday? I watched a little bit. What were your thoughts? I think Joe Quinn Phoenix had a very riveting speech. Um, he curtailed that off of the uh, awards that were happening in the UK and how Hollywood has a lack of diversity. And people have been saying this for years, and he just got tired of it and was like, hey, look, I understand skill comes into play, but we're all equal. And he elaborated off of that, off of the Oscars, by saying that he's afraid of what this country has become and to think that we're the only light in the world. We need to be humble. Uh, Joe Quinn's Phoenix was moving because it wasn't about him, even though he was receiving an award. He was talking about us as a whole. And I thought it was like slightly beautiful. Where did he say this? Uh, he said all of this Sunday after he received his award for best actor in Joker. Okay, so my question is for the Joaquin Phoenix. Is I thought it was kind of strange. I thought it started off really good. He was praising the actors. He was talking about has a society, and then he brought up something about calves and cows, and I kind of lost the track of what happened there. But uh, let's talk about the lack of diversity here for a minute. I was shocked, honestly. Um, I know that you know Leonardo DiCaprio is one. I know that Brad Pitt, you know, won for 
Best Supporting Actor. DiCaprio's won in the past, but I was surprised Eddie Murphy wasn't on there. I was surprised that Lupita Nyong'o wasn't there for us. What, what can the Oscars do to fix this lack of diversity? You can ask the same question about the NFL when it comes to coaching. If you're not going to have people in the position to succeed, then blow it up and start over. You can't ask for diversity if you don't have anybody diverse in that position. You can't ask for head coaching positions if you don't have any offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, or assistants that are in a position to even imply about the position. Uh, Eric Benemy, the enemy of the Kansas City Chiefs, deserved a head coaching position. Yet a no-name offensive coordinator from Minnesota Vikings is now the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Joe Judge, a wide receiver-special teams coach, is now the coach of the New York football giants. It's like it's the same thing over and over again, plus the recycled coaches that come and go with losing records. Oscars are a bit of the same way. If you don't want diversity in your movies, how exactly can someone win Best Actor or Best Actress if it looks like everybody who's around in Hollywood? Nothing's going to change unless things get better. And as you can see with the current zeitgeist, things aren't getting better. Let's go to uh, the lack of diversity with the head coaching for a minute. That was interesting about Eric Benemy. Uh, what can the NFL do to fix the Rooney Rule? Find teams that don't want to implement or use the Rooney Rule. Now, I've said on my show, Fantasy and Flavors, I don't care who you hire. Right. It's your team. You can hire whoever you want to hire. But you know what? Go through the process. At least interview. Because your interview is going to open that door for future interviews for different people at different places. You have 31 Caucasian owners and Shad Khan of Jacksonville, who now has two home games in London instead of just one. Uh, not doing that well in Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a huge city, but not a big market. And they're not competitive. Take away Blake Bortles, Jalen Ramsey, Dante Fowler, and a lot of pieces of that defense, and they're stuck in the mud in the AFC South. Um, find teams that don't at least interview African-American and Hispanic coaches. Hopefully we get to the point where we have this conversation where they're interviewing female coaches because now we have not one but two main female coaching assistants. Tampa Bay has two, yes, but not as authentic and not as important as San Francisco's or now Washington's with Ron Rivera. Um, it's, it's a tale as old as time. First it was segregation, then it was Jim Crow, and then it was basically drug laws because the war on drugs was basically the war on minorities. And now it's, you know what, we just want to offer you a position where you'll be in a position of power. And it's disgusting. I've been watching the NFL since 1985 in the Bears Super Bowl shuffle, and I can count on my hands and toes how many NFL coaches were African-American or Hispanic. Outside of Eric Benemy, who else deserved at least to go through the process? Leslie Frazier. Buffalo Bills uh, defensive coordinator. Okay, why Leslie Frazier? I mean, he's already been a head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Why should he deserve a second chance? Because he's already been a head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He's been there. He's done that. He has the experience, and I believe he has a voice in the locker rooms where other people might actually listen to him. Not only is he a former player, but his resume is actually quite nice. He was a defensive player. I believe he is going to be in the Hall of Fame if he isn't already. He's been an assistant and a defensive coordinator for more than five-plus years. 
So instead of getting one of these new coaches like Freddie Kitchens, who yeah. has rapport with Baker Mayfield, <laughs> or one of these other coaches like a special teams or wide receivers coach, why not get a player that, A, played in the NFL, B, already has had coaching positions, and C, has been doing it for quite some time? I can ask why Jim Caldwell is no longer employed. Oh, my goodness, my yeah. After getting fired from, from Detroit. Detroit with a Tennessee record. Yeah, I don't understand that either, and it's really sad to say that that has aged the worst because when it comes to you know Jim Caldwell, he had a ten and six season. He was nine and seven when he got fired. You look at Matt Patricia, and this team is falling off a cliff. They have no identity, no idea what they're doing, and they're pretty much hanging on to Matthew Stafford and his uh, surgically repaired back going forward. And I just don't understand what they're doing anymore. So. Really glad that you brought that up because I was also, this too, Alex, you know, I was watching the XFL. I saw Winston Moss. I did not see Jim Caldwell. How in the world does an assistant head coach under Mike McCarthy, Winston Moss, get a job over Jim Caldwell? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. That's that's all I can really say because, you know, it, it doesn't matter how much experience you have if you got the ear of the proper people. I mean, Dak Prescott doesn't have a contract yet. Carson Wentz does. And in every way, shape, and form, Dak arguably is the better quarterback. More durable, more playoff appearances. And you can't say Carson Wentz won the Super Bowl because that was Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. But, hey, who am I? Well, you're a reporter for Bucks Report. You have covered the Pro Bowl. You're part of the sports perspective with Eric Wilson of the sports arena. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're something there, Alex. I, I mean, come on. I mean, if you haven't got and haven't I seen these see magic it. perspectives, these are pretty great, st- great stuff. <laughs> so, thank you, Mister Rumpole. Thank oh, you. you. Oh, um, you cracked me up. I mean, one of my fa- and I'll just tell the audience here. One of my favorite moments when I got to meet Alex for the first time was when we were covering the magic, and this guy was just passionate, boisterous, and he was just. Loving to talk basketball. Here I am with these ridiculous glasses on during the playoffs, of all things. And both <laughs> me and him, we didn't stop talking until Eric went, all right, action. Okay, welcome back to the Magic Perspective. Let's get down to it. So, <laughs> And then, uh, well, the fantasy football. I, I just got to say this. Anybody that wants to go watch a live fantasy football draft, you got to have Alex Fleming as MC because, oh, my goodness, you were on – you were on a whole nother level that night, man. I couldn't stop laughing or watching you perform, man. It was great. I I love what I do, and I'm passionate <laughs> about fantasy football. I had the truth serum in the house with me. Yep. Uh, Mr. Wrongholt, you were in attendance. attendance and we had alcohol, so you know, if you were in a good mood, <laughs> it wouldn't have been hard to get you in a good mood because, you know, we like to have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, you got me out of my shell a few times where I sat back and went, should I have gone that road? I don't know, but <laughs> no, that was a lot of fun. Uh, let's. Um, what is uh, next for you? I am planning on attending the NFL Combine in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. I think it's long overdue that someone has a fresh perspective, keyword there, of how these college kids are transitioning to the NFL, who's talented and who belongs where. Sometimes you can ask Josh Rosen. It's not about where you end up; it's who you end up with. Arizona didn't have faith in him, and now he's underneath the dirt of the beach in Miami. 
He's not going to see any playing time because I believe Miami Dolphins are drafting Tua Tonga-Valoa. But there's a lot of talent coming to the NFL. And I think it would be nice if the people of Central Florida knew who were coming to their team. There's three teams in Florida, and there's six picks. The fifth, the ninth, the 18th, the 20th, and the 26th pick. So I think it would be great if Florida knew some of the newcomers that are coming to the NFL draft in the first round. Plus, all-star talent, new people going to new places. Who needs a linebacker? Who needs a wide receiver? Who needs a tight end? All this can be explained if someone goes to the NFL Combine, analyzes the numbers, and spreads the information. Final question before you go. I know that you got to get going here, but uh, what players are you looking at to watch in the Combine? I'm looking at both of the Alabama wide receivers between Judy and Ruggs. I want to know if Jonathan Taylor is going to be selected in the first round. Mm. I want to see if Tampa Bay can pull the trigger on J.K. Dobbins in the second round. I want to know if Tampa Bay is going to get an offensive line to help Jameis Winston, or are they going to keep complaining that Jameis turns the ball over because he's getting hit and sacked? I want to see if Jacksonville is going to grab a safety to help out and if they're going to get another offensive lineman so Gardner Minshew can actually take over that position. I'm curious to see where Chason lands, and I want to know if Detroit picks Okuda or Simmons because they have a need at both positions. I'm, I'm so ready. I, I don't even have my book with me, and I'm just rattling off names <laughs> that I'm familiar with. And I mean, Washington, Chase Young, that's a match made in heaven. Joe Burrow is going to Cincinnati. He is an Ohio native. That makes sense. Panthers, do you get Brown from Auburn or do you get Wills from Alabama? Because you need help on the offensive and the defensive line. It's very convoluted. Nothing is convoluted, though, with Alex Fleming. Uh, he is a writer for BucksReport.com. He is part of the Magic Perspective on the Sports Arena with Eric Wilson. And, Alex, thank you so much for joining us here, and enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, thanks for coming on the Turning Points Podcast. Thank you for having me, Mr. Ronghold. Anytime. <laughs> All right. That's that's actually <laughs> that's Alex Fleming. And, you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned this. One of the things about Alex that I really do respect is when he comes up to me, he always calls me. He never calls me Jake. He calls me Mr. Ronghold. When I was when I used to have this ridiculous name, Jake Turner, he used to call me Mr. Turner. It was kind of cool. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. But, you know, that's when you know when you're talking to Alex. Because when he goes, oh, hey, Mr. Ronghold, how you doing? It's pretty cool. I won't lie to you. But uh, great stuff is always with him. You, you just never know where you're going to go with him. So, And that's the best thing about an interview is that when you got... I had seven questions written down. I was ready to go. And I think I maybe asked probably about five of them, five of the seven, uh, because we got into it with the Oscars and jumped right into uh, what was going on with Eric Benemy and uh, Rooney Rule. And we already, we all know in sports media that this is a serious subject. So great stuff by Alex. Uh, check him out. You can find him on facebook.com with uh, Fla uh, Fantasy and Flavors podcast. It's really good stuff. And BucksReport.com. That's www.BucksReport.com. All right, let's take time out here. And when we come back, we're going to get away from the sports world, then we're going to get into the cinema. A lot to talk about with the Oscars. Saw a couple of movies. A movie out there, I don't care about the box office. I care that it was so entertaining. It was the most entertaining experience of 2020 so far, and I'm going to dive into that. So that's all coming up next on the Turning Points Podcast. I'm Jake Ronholt. You're listening to it right here on iTunes.